Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the show. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I'm joined by financial expert, motivator, book author, and founder of The Money Nerve, Bob Wheeler. I would say Bob's the funniest man in financial services because he's also CFO of the world famous comedy store. He's been an accountant. He's been advising clients for many, multiple decades. I'm super excited to dive deep onto all things money with Bob. Bob, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks a lot. Great to be here. All right. So let's go back in time a little bit. How did you get started? Well, so I got into accounting because it just helped my grade point average. I was actually going to be a lawyer until I met some lawyers. And then I decided I didn't want to be a lawyer. And so uh, basically accounting was just something that came easy. And so I started doing that. I became a CPA and got more and more clients. People seemed to like me for the most part. And if they didn't, they just left. And over time though, I started realizing I had my own financial issues and wasn't walking the walking the talk and also realizing my clients were doing crazy things. And so I started getting into the psychology of why people do things when it comes to money. And here I am now. Awesome. Now, obviously the longer version of that story is probably in the book that we both tell our audience to go get. Now you were also probably the funniest accountant given that you are also a stand-up comic and most I would say stereotypically, people do not think of accountants or bean counters as funny people. How do you kind of, how, do, how does that, how do those worlds collide? Well, it's a weird thing. I mean, Bob Newhart was a comic and a CPA. So just for there, context. There is precedent. There you go. There is, there is. Well, you, you know, I, for me, uh, as much as I would have loved to say that the comedy would pay the bills, uh, I love the creative arts, but I also like to eat and have a place to live. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think I realized when I was first doing comedy, um, that nobody was going to discover me in the back of an auditing room. Um, so I actually had to get out and, uh, try and be funny and which is where I be became the CFO at the comedy store. They needed some help. Mitzi's like, I heard you're a CPA. You got to come help us. I'm like, I just want to do comedy. And, uh, you know, the rest is history, but I, love humor. I use it with my clients to disarm them, to give them bad information. And uh, I just find humor is a great way to uh, break barriers. 
Awesome. And obviously you are doing some of that right now. So what led you to write the book, The Money Nerve? Well, I was literally sitting in the comedy store main room and a friend of mine had just come through and she was crying because her family are all doctors and all those wonderful things that a good Jewish kid should aspire to. And she was like, I've just been shamed by my entire family because I'm a comic. Oh my God. And I said, you know what? Most people you come in contact with don't have it together. They just pretend like they do. And she was like, what? I'm like, most of the people you think you want to be like, you don't. I see their stuff. Trust me, you're doing pretty good. And so I realized from that and other conversations with other people that most people felt like they were the only one that didn't get the financial download, Mm. that there's a lot of shame around money choices and not knowing. And I really just, I wrote the book to get the conversation started around money. I'm not trying to tell everybody what annuities to buy. Let's just start talking, is there money in my bank account? Can I pay my rent? And, And just to get those basic conversations so that to help remove the stigma of shame. Okay, so obviously a very noble calling. Now, <laughs> you coined a phrase that I hadn't heard before. Well, first of all, let's address what you just said. I'm getting ahead of myself. So, for example, my wife has this, has this issue where she's talking about somebody she knows who just got a new house and a new car, and how come we don't have a new house and a new car? And I said, you know, they inherited that money, right? They didn't right. get a raise. They didn't earn it. Like you're saying we should go spend money to keep up with the Joneses. Well, the Joneses aren't spending money to keep up with themselves. And and, and she did not know that. So I, I think that segues into the topic about, you know, that you're talking about, about emotions and money. What is financial therapy and why do we all need it so badly? Well, here's the thing. We're all making decisions every day unconsciously that involve money. When we're going out and splitting the bill with people, are we going to split it 50-50? Are we going to make them pay? Do we try and get the extra, the extra dessert and let them cover it, right? We're, we're, we're making decisions whether we buy our lunch, whether we try and impress people. Am I going to buy the fancy car? Is the salesman going to guilt me into going ahead and getting the contract and extend the warranty? And so if we're aware that we get triggered, whether it's getting declined at the credit card, at the department store, um, if we can be aware that there's issues going on, then we can better deal with making decisions and not be based on an emotional impulse or I don't want to be like my dad or I don't want to be like my mom, but, Oh yeah, actually that makes sense. I'd like to buy this. So that, that's, that makes a lot of sense. That's the whole top of the stairs conversation. What do you remember your parents telling you directly about money? What do you remember them discussing about money when they didn't know you were listening as a kid? the top at the top of the stairs. So, so what's a healthy relationship with money? What does it actually look like? Well, so some people think that when I say a healthy relationship, I'm saying that we all have $5 million in our bank account, which I'm not saying no to, but that's not really what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is being able to look at what I do have and say, well, you know what? I'm not going to blow that money today because I'm trying to pay the rent or I'm trying to plan for a trip. Um, I'm actually appreciative of what I do have instead of worrying about what everybody else has that I don't have. And, and just learning to actually be in the moment with what you have while still putting a little money aside, while still planning for your future, but actually being really conscious in the, the decisions that we make when it comes to spending money 
or dealing with our finances. Absolutely. Now you've gone through your own spiritual and financial transformations along the way. Um, one of which obviously that happened in Africa. Tell us a little bit about that. How did that change your attitude about money? So the, my first trip to Africa was a real big uh, mind blowing experience. I got over there. People are very poor. Average income at the time was a hundred dollars a year, wow. a year. And they were incredibly happy. And they'd say, hey, Bob, if you had a good time here, go tell all your friends, tell everybody to come to Tanzania. Why are you so happy? <laughs> like, you don't have material things. You're not living in nice houses. You don't get to shower on a daily basis. Like, how can you be happy? And, and so it really challenged my belief that we are our accomplishments and we are our bank accounts, which is how I grew up, that I need to have all these things. And it really took me to a place of learning to come from a place of gratitude and actually being a lot more humble and not being so entitled. I think in this culture, it's very easy, at least for me, to start thinking, I deserve this and this and this and this and oh my gosh. And instead of looking around going, hey, life's pretty good. I have food on the table, I have a roof over my head and I have a lot of choice. Absolutely. Now, you, one of the other concepts that you are a proponent of, and I'm sure obviously the accounting background feeds into this is it's not just how much you make, it's how much you keep, which talks right. about the tax situation. So tell everybody a little, I know you've got some very passionate beliefs about that. So tell us a little bit about your theories on taxation and obviously where you think we might be headed. Well, certainly I don't like to pay my taxes just like everybody else. I like to keep it in my pocket. Um, however, um, knowing that, we all still have to pay our fair share. Um, so I'm all about tax avoidance, not tax evasion. Right. Where I good orange. Exactly. Um, but, you know, for me, it's we've got to actually pay into the system a little bit. Um, we need to be able to have roads. We need to be able to have public schools. We need services that we can't provide on our own. So I definitely think that you have to factor that in, which a lot of people don't. People on 1099, people that just have independent income or dividends, they forget, oh, some of this is going to the government. So come tax time, they're like, what do you mean? I only made $300,000 and I have to give money up. So I, I think just being realistic that the taxes do exist. They're not going away, death and taxes. Uh, and, you know, I think right now it's, in the world right now, it's getting a little crazy because this last year, uh, we're, you know, we're mostly living on a lot of government aid, whether it's yes. PPP loans, SBA, whether it's unemployment. Um, so I think it's going to get a little crazy in the next couple of years just because we're printing a lot of money. Um, and so for me, money is king right now. And I, I'm just trying to hold on to as much and keep it near me instead of just spending frivolously while we're going through this. That makes a lot of sense. Now, you talk about a healthy relationship with money, what we might have learned observing our parents. What, how do we uncover if we've got limiting financial beliefs in the first place? Because I personally think we probably all have them. How do we figure out what those are? Well, I mean, the first thing I ask people when they come to me to work is I ask them if they're willing to be uncomfortable. And I ask them, are they willing to look at stuff? And occasionally people say no. And then I'm like, okay, we're done. Thank you. And it's really important to actually, you can ask a friend, you can ask your spouse, hey, do you hear me saying anything crazy about money? 
just start listening to yourself when you're splitting the bill, when you're uh, talking to people at work. Do you hide your money stuff? Do you try and brag? Hey, I got the newest fancy car. It's really shiny. Like just to start observing what are the words you say? I'm so broke. I can't afford anything versus I'd really like a little more cash flow. And, and we start to listen to what we're saying it starts to be what our under voice is. And then let's say that we've started paying attention. We've made a list perhaps. How do we then start replacing those negative disempowering beliefs with something that's going to get me in the right, going in the right direction? So I'm always looking for a bridge. So if in the past I said something like, I want to have money, but I'm terrible with money. All right. So maybe it becomes, I want to have more money and I'm working to do things differently. Or I really love to spend my money right now and I'm looking way for ways to have better cash flow. So that I'm trying to bridge myself into what the truth is. Or if it's like, I, I, I'm broken, I need a new phone. You know, I don't have a lot of cash flow. I'm choosing to spend my money elsewhere and I'd really like to work towards having new equipment. So trying to not refute the past, but try and then anchor it in something that's, that's actually more true and more relevant. That makes a lot of sense. What do you like best about what you do? I like helping people have aha moments. I like helping people realize their potential. I mean, in accounting, I mean, I'm doing a lot of goal setting. I'm helping people save money. I'm helping people. We're planning for the future. And so when I can see all that become realized through their own self-empowerment and with me helping as a guide, maybe, uh, it's, a, it's a cool feeling. You've accomplished so much. What's your biggest challenge now? <laughs> I think my biggest challenge right now is, is actually taking vacations. I, I find I love what I do. And I always find a reason to keep doing it. And my office, my business partner, Bob, please go take a vacation. And I think that's hard for me right now, just because I enjoy all that I'm doing. Sure. And you've certainly traveled a great deal. Who is an ideal client for you? An ideal client for me is somebody that's nice and friendly. Um, I actually like nice people and uh, somebody that's a, an entrepreneur, somebody that's looking to start a business that has a business. I work with a lot of small businesses and that's, that's the group of people I like working with. I like being able to help them. If you've just got a W2, I can't do much for you, but if you've got a business, I can help you strategize, save your money, grow your business and enjoy your life. Awesome. What else? I know your time is incredibly valuable. What else do you want to share that I didn't think to ask you? Well, let's see. Um, Read the book. It's a great book. It's an easy read. There's a lot of exercises in there. Um, we just put together a course called The Course to Financial Freedom. Um, that's an online course, a 12-week course that takes people through all the steps of uncovering their unconscious voice, their hidden agendas, their history to their oh, parents. And it's, it's, you know, a lot of people have taken it and said to me, oh, that just gave me lots of uh, food for therapy. Mm -hmm. uh, my, th my therapist is loving this course um, because a lot of stuff comes up. And I think that's really the key for a lot of people. I mean, I've had, I had a client who super successful, but every six years she would just sabotage the business, run it into the ground. And so we started talking 
non-money, just like what, what goes on for you? And we discovered that her mom always comes and rescues her when mm. she loses all her money. And that's the only way that she knows her mom loves her. Because uh, wow. the rest of the time, her mom's like, well, you're a strong woman. You don't need me. So every five or six years, she sabotages so that mommy comes and loves her and tells her she's going to be okay. Once she knew that and realized it, then she could take conscious steps to do it differently. That just ask her mom if she loved her. <laughs> yeah. So where do we go to get the book and where do we go to get the course? So uh, Amazon is the best place to get the book. And the website is themoneynerve.com. And the Money Nerve Academy is on there. There's also other blogs and resources for people in business, all kinds of Ab practical stuff. Absolutely fantastic. This has been Seth Green here with Bob Wheeler, best-selling author of The Money Nerve at themoneynerve.com and the Money Nerve Academy. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Thanks everybody for watching or listening and we'll see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text pitch to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.